This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 21st, 2021, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. Are you ready to get your stack on? Well, the good news is Bitcoin is still on sale. While there's been a tremendous amount of speculation as to whether or not the bottom is in, uh, all that should really matter right now is that you're going to get some discount sets. In fact, uh, the way it's looking, this will be our probably our second or third cheapest that we've ever stacked since we began this podcast over a year and a half ago. Before we get into all of that, though, let's take a real quick look at the vital statistics. As of the time of this recording, we are at a block height of 768,409, and Bitcoin is ringing in at a USD price of $16,766, or 5,964 sats per cuck buck. That is down a little more than $1,000 from last Wednesday, but pretty much right in that sixteen dollars to $17,000 channel that we've been in uh, since the beginning of November at least. And along the lines of Bitcoin's price going down slightly from last week, Bitcoin's market capitalization has also decreased by about $20 billion, coming in at $322.6 billion U.S. dollars. And for those of you who value your wealth in shiny metal rocks, it will currently cost you 9.2 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. And if you value your wealth in oil, it will cost you 203.7 barrels of oil to purchase just one Bitcoin at a rate of 490,777 sats per barrel. And of course, for those of you who value your wealth in pizza, One Bitcoin will currently purchase you 993 Papa John's pizzas. That's below that 1,000 pizza mark that we've been bouncing around at most, uh, pretty much since last June. However, that's still enough pizza to feed a family of four one meal a day for, uh, for two years, eight months, and 23 days. And that is a heck of a lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin. Certainly a lot more than Laszlo got on the first Bitcoin pizza day. And the Bitcoin mempool is chugging right along. Earlier this morning, it was completely clear. I looked at it uh, really early, like before sunrise early, but it was uh, it was wide open. And then the next time I checked, it had one or two blocks where the transaction's pending. And currently, there's about three blocks where the transaction's pending in the mempool. Uh, but that's still not too shabby. And along those lines, various fee estimators are saying that one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day. Most likely that'll be here in another hour or two when Europe goes to bed and the United States starts falling asleep, usually at nighttime in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, That mempool has been clearing right out. Uh, So if you don't mind waiting, uh, one sat per byte transactions should still clear relatively quickly. But if you want to guarantee that your transaction is included in the next uh, block on chain, then it's recommending that you include a, a fee of 14 sats per byte. Uh, of course, if you're familiar with replace by fee, you can go ahead and probably get away with one sat per byte, and then bump that up if you uh, are not if it's not clearing fast enough to suit your to suit your needs. 
That metric that you know I love to pay attention to, Bitcoin's 24-hour transaction volume, is down a little bit from last week, right at the 3.15 transactions per second that I like to see Bitcoin above to indicate a healthy amount of uh, on-chain transactions. It had been elevated the last couple of weeks as we saw the, uh, what do they call it, the great cold rush as people were rushing to get their Bitcoin off of exchanges and into their own hardware wallets. Uh, maybe that's tapering off a bit because uh, billions and billions of dollars where the Bitcoin had flowed, flown off exchanges in the last two weeks. And, and that's certainly a good sign. And since we spoke last, in fact, pretty much just yesterday, the mining difficulty of Bitcoin was adjusted upward. It got 3.3% more difficult to mine just one Bitcoin. And that's been kind of seesawing. You know, two adjustments ago, we had that gigantic downward difficulty adjustment, like 7.3% like down. Uh, and then we gave some of that up. And it's we're currently at 1,703 blocks to go until the next mining difficulty adjustment. And that's that's over 12 days to go because we're, uh, like I said, we just had a difficulty adjustment. And the Bitcoin protocol is is uh, programmed to, to on, uh, on average, adjust the difficulty about every two weeks. But uh, it adjusts every 2,016 blocks, and we have 1,703 to go. So... Take this data with a grain of salt because there's still almost two weeks to, for that to change. But currently, we're looking at another decrease uh, going back down anywhere from minus 1.45% to minus 3.6%, which would be basically giving up the increase that, that uh, just kicked in yesterday. And that is because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and 20 seconds, and they should be targeting, well, their Bitcoin core targets uh, an average block time of 10 minutes. Of course, sometimes they come in back to back, one block every, every well, sometimes they come in simultaneously and, and then, then you, and that's the reason why you wait for more than one confirmation if you want to guarantee your transaction won't be reversed. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I've seen blocks take over an hour or two hours. Now, the idea is it's like flipping a quarter. If you flip a quarter 100 times, you should get 50 heads and 50 tails on average, but it wouldn't be unusual to get, you know, five tails in a row or five heads in a row because again, it's an average, and that's the same thing with that uh, with the uh, block time. It's it's trying to average ten minutes, and so with only three hundred blocks into the uh, into this epic, it's way too early to tell. But it is currently uh, it is currently coming in a little slow at ten minutes twenty six seconds a block, and hence the forecasted difficulty decrease. Next week we should get a better idea uh, what that difficulty adjustment will be for you miners out there. And. Uh, real quick, a look at some of the things that have made the news in the last 24 hours. Probably one of the biggest I told you so's out there, or potential I told you so's, is the Gerald Cotton saga with Quadrigus CX. Remember the CEO and founder of, I think it was Canada's largest exchange, it was certainly a gigantic exchange, allegedly died while on a trip to India of colitis. And uh, many people suspected that he had faked his own death because he disappeared, or he, I'm sorry, he died in a region of India that's kind of notorious for people going to disappear to fake their own deaths at a hospital that is allegedly notorious for assisting people in faking their own deaths. And he had plenty of reason to do so because uh, it had been revealed that that he had been doing the same thing that Sam Bankman-Fried just recently got caught doing, and that was trading, uh, taking investors' funds and gambling and losing all of them, and then in the in the end years, simply using new investors' funds to pay out old investors' funds in a classic Ponzi scheme. 
Obviously, you saw uh, SBF arrested, and he's looking at 115 years or so in jail if convicted of everything they've currently charged him with. And the same as probably would have happened to Gerald Cotton eventually. So he had plenty of reason to fake his death. Why is this important? Well, this is important because uh, the Bitcoin and the crypto that Quadriga CX did allegedly have was in cold wallets that nobody could access. They were locked away. And apparently only Gerald Cotton had the, had the private keys on his encrypted laptop. And so they were effectively lost forever. That is until just recently when Quadriga CX's trustee Ernst & Young reported the unauthorized transfer of approximately 100 Bitcoin worth more than $2 million from several cold wallets that allegedly only Gerald Cotton had access to. So if you were Gerald Cotton and you had faked your own death, you'd probably be looking for some money right about now. And uh, moving those Bitcoin falls in line neatly with that conspiracy theory, which is looking less and less like a conspiracy theory, uh, especially now that someone's tapped the Bitcoin that only Gerald Cotton should have had access to. Getting back to Bitcoin mining, we've spoken about this on numerous episodes where the one black swan event that could possibly drive Bitcoin a little bit lower than it's already fallen would be like the minor capitulation when some of these big mining firms fail. And that is because uh, all these miners were really greedy during the last bull run. You know, they had the, they had the uh, this time is different number go up forever fever that everybody seems to get when the euphoria phase kicks in. And some of these commercial miners ordered billions of dollars worth of mining rigs. And some of them hadn't even been designed yet. They were future orders on the latest generation Bitmain miners. Uh, so they took hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in loans uh, for mining equipment that they hadn't even received yet. And then, of course, the price of Bitcoin tanked. We're in the Bitcoin bear market, the crypto winner, so to speak. And uh, so now all of a sudden they don't have that income they thought they would have, and they're having to pay off these huge loans. Ergo, we were looking at the potential of several of these large miners filing for bankruptcy. We saw Compute North, which was not a miner, but it was um, an infrastructure, a technology services company that was providing, uh, providing the tech support for Marathon Digital's mining uh, operations file for bankruptcy and that who knows what kind of impact that will have on on the mining industry on marathon for example but uh, just yesterday it was announced that bitcoin miner core scientific is filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy this according to a cnbc headline that said quote bitcoin miner core scientific is filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy but plans to keep mining so they're looking for not a liquidation but a restructuring and they want to keep churning out as much Bitcoin as they can. The hope being when the next halving cycle kicks off and the price of Bitcoin recovers, uh, they'll be sitting pretty. Uh, same thing with other companies that are, have, haven't filed for bankruptcy. Like I believe Marathon Digital has somewhere around 11,000 Bitcoin in its treasury. And uh, they're hoping not to have to tap any of that to pay off their debt until the price of Bitcoin recovers, uh, if ever. And so the idea is to try and outlast the bear market. And speaking of miners and speaking of exchanges, according to an article in Decrypt, the amount of Bitcoin supply held by retail investors has reached an all-time high, saying, quote, about 17% of Bitcoin's total circulating supply is now held by retail investors. Of course, that makes sense because we saw that quote, that quote unquote, that cold rush where after the FTX collapse, and the series of, of, uh, of scams, such as uh, the Terra Luna debacle and, uh, you know, all the, the yield farming scams that collapsed. Uh, we saw 
uh, a rush for people to finally take custody of their own Bitcoin. Of course, that number 17% seems really low, especially for an all-time high, because if you consider back in the day, there wasn't any such thing as, uh, as, as, uh, as, a cust as, you know, exchange custody. There weren't any exchanges uh, until Mt. Gox came along, you know, and then you had to send your Bitcoin in basically just to sell it. People, uh, most people had their millions of Bitcoin on their laptops or their, their desktops because they were mining at home. You know, Satoshi Nakamoto, his million Bitcoins clearly aren't on an exchange. So I guess maybe there wasn't such thing as a retail investor back then either. So I guess maybe that 17% is taking into account uh, modern Bitcoin holders and, and, the, and the modern supply. But either way, it also stipulates that that's the circulating supply as opposed to the supply of Bitcoin that's never moved in the last 10 years hiding on, uh, on customers' cold storage, whether it's old-school paper wallets or hard drives or treasures, trezors, ledgers, what, what, whatever. Real quick, I want to say thank you to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. There are several of you because you've been streaming us sats, and that is flattering. We don't have any boostergrams, but there are at least one or two of you streaming us sats on that value-for-value value model. That is where you can basically set a, a fixed number of Satoshis per minute to stream to your favorite podcaster. Uh, and just last night, at least we had somebody doing that, listening to last week's episode, streaming the sats. Uh, and I, that was cool because I just saw it pop up when I was when I was looking at the fountain app on my phone. So that was from an anonymous Breeze user. So if you're listening tonight, thank you, Anon. We, it was really cool to see those sats come in. Uh, and again... We don't have any boosts to read this week, but if you are listening on the Fountain app and you and you want to help support us, you can go ahead and send us a tip via a boostagram. That can be anywhere from uh, I don't remember. I think it's 500 sats is the minimum boost. Could be lower. I don't remember, but uh, whatever you feel like tipping, and it comes in the form of a of a lightning message. So as long as it isn't obscene or or a blatant shill for like Dogecoin or something, uh, if you do send us a boostagram, we will go ahead and read it on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast, at least the next regular episode. And the next regular episode will always be at least on Wednesday, because Wednesday is DCA Wednesday when we add to our DCA stack. If you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is, quote, an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this will be our 74th stack we started stacking every Wednesday. That's our regular interval, weekly, weekly on Wednesdays, all the way back on July 28th, 2021. Of course, that was right in the middle of the bull run. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But so far, we've stacked 73 times. We've stacked a total of $1,460, including $32.85 in fees, just $20 at a time, and that $20 are equal portion. And the reason we chose $20 is twofold. First, I wanted to show that even if you don't have a whole lot of money to purchase, to invest in Bitcoin, even if you can only come up with like 20 bucks, even $20 will add up over time. Uh, and I think we've clearly shown that that's the case because in, in just about a year and a half, we've managed to build up a stack of around 4.7 million sats. And that's certainly nothing to turn your nose up at. You know, if you're one of those people on Reddit or Twitter that keeps asking, I only have $50, I only have $100, is it even worth it? It should be pretty obvious that if, as long as you keep plunking away, as long as you do that regular DCA, it will add up and it will definitely be worth your while in the long run, not financial advice. So, like I said, we chose Wednesdays, which is weekly, 
Um, a lot of people, with it, whether you're DCing in stocks or bonds or Bitcoin or whatever you choose to invest in, tend to de- do their DCA stack on week. On, I'm sorry, on paydays. So most people, on average, get paid biweekly every two weeks, every other Friday, what have you. And so that's a pretty common time for most people to do their DCA stack. But some people DCA daily. There's even a service out there that lets you DCA hourly. So uh, you decide what works best for you. Pick your interval and pick your dollar amount that you're comfortable investing. Most, most importantly, an interval that you are comfortable losing because, you know, there isn't a zero, there's a non-zero some chance that, you know, Bitcoin doesn't, doesn't moon. So uh, it, is, it is considered a risk asset. But, you know, pick, a, pick an amount that you feel comfortable with. Like I say, you do you. Pick a, pick a time frame that you feel comfortable with. And for this, for the purposes of this experiment, that's $20 and it's every Wednesday. And to make our investment, we're going to use the handy-dandy Cash App. And the reason I like the Cash App is because, I, it's, well, it's right on my phone. They're not a sponsor of this show. Uh, we do have a referral code in the show notes. Everybody that has a cash, uh, cash app account has a referral code. So, um, like I said, they're not a sponsor. But if you don't have cash app and you would like to use cash app, you can click on the referral code in the show notes and you'll get five bucks free just for signing up. We'll get five bucks free too. And so that's a really cool way to support the podcast. You can tip us five bucks and get paid to do so. It won't actually cost you any money in case, in fact, you'll actually get paid to do so. So I got Cash App open, and one of the other reasons I like Cash App is because I don't keep any money on the Cash App. And it'll let you add money instantly, and it'll let you invest it instantly, and more importantly, it'll let you transfer it to your hardware wallet instantly. A lot of other exchanges or apps won't let you do that. Uh, Either they'll not let you invest your money for up to five or seven business days until your bank transfer is quote-unquote settled, or... Uh, they'll let you purchase right away, but won't let you transfer it to your hardware wallet until they guarantee that that deposit is settled. That isn't the case with Cash App, and that's so. So that's why we're. That's one of the reasons we're using them. So I already got twenty bucks on the Cash App, and I'm going to click on Purchase Bitcoin. Click on twenty dollars. Click Confirm. And boom! Just like that, we purchased another one hundred sixteen thousand five hundred and fourteen sats. That is going to be that the. the Third, that is the third cheapest we've ever purchased. The cheapest we've ever purchased, $16,469.03 back on November 3rd. So pretty much, you know, even though it's only the third cheapest, it's really close. Uh, And that's cool because, like I said, we got 116,000 sats as opposed to the 109,000 sats we got last week. And that is going to bring our stack up to 4,866,768 sats. But perhaps, as importantly, that's going to knock our average cost basis down by another $324.87. That lowers our average cost basis to $30,410.33. And yeah, that's underwater. Obviously, that's significantly more expensive than what Bitcoin is currently worth in U.S. dollar terms. But, you know, as I said, both dollar cost averaging and Bitcoin investing are long-term plays. You shouldn't plan on uh, selling any Bitcoin for at least one halving cycle, probably more like for 10 years. And then once you really get into Bitcoin and you really understand Bitcoin, you won't plan to sell it ever. You'll plan on living off of it one day or passing it on uh, to your heirs, your children, your grandchildren to help build some generational wealth. And if Bitcoin goes to the moon, um, that, is, that isn't very far-fetched. Uh, so it is worth the pointing it is worth pointing out that again this is too soon to judge but had you yoloed in on July 28 2021 when we first uh, when we first started dollar cost averaging 
your stack would be 3,643,709 sats. Uh, that's um, that's 1.2 million sats less than we have by DCAing. Most importantly, um, you'd only have about $611 worth of Bitcoin. Had you YOLO'd? So currently, at this point in time, DCA has beat uh, lump sum investing, at least as far as our experience experience goes. And hey, if Bitcoin does go to the moon, if Bitcoin hits that $1 million mark one day, even more potentially, you know, there are people out there saying Bitcoin might hit 5 million or 10 million uh, in your lifetime, in our lifetime, in the next, in the 2030s, potentially even as soon as. Uh, but if Bitcoin goes up to just $1 million a coin, our stack, without adding a single more, one more single, a single more Satoshi, it would be with $48,667.68. And there's no way you can't argue that as one hell of a return. Uh, for just uh, $1,400, $1,480 US dollars invested. Heck, if Bitcoin only goes up to 100000 which I think, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't think 100000 is reasonable for the next bull run, the next halving cycle. But if Bitcoin just hits 100000 our stack of 4.8 million sats will be worth $4,866.76 US dollars. And that is not quite four times uh, what we've invested, but still a really heavy duty return. All right, uh, real quick, I wanted to ask you to uh, reach out and follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod, uh, and I really want to hear what you have to say. So uh, please follow us on Twitter, but also please comment on Twitter or send us a DM on Twitter and let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast. Maybe something you'd like to see me talk about or something you would, are sick of hearing me talk about. Again, I try and do this podcast every week, like, you know, you're both coming back to listen again to but also for those newbies that are coming in for the first time. So some of this is, is pretty basic and, rep, and uh, repetitive. But again, there are new people joining every week. So, uh, But let me know what you think. And if you don't have Twitter, and again, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. If you prefer to send an email, you can contact me via email. And the email address is BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. That's BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. And both that Twitter handle and the email address are available in the show notes in case you didn't write them down or, or, or just don't remember. All right. Now that we're done stacking our sats, I want to say one thing. Uh, this time, every bear market, it, it's hard even for the perma bulls to stay uh, completely optimistic. Uh, everybody, everybody, it's, it's not unusual to get, to get, you know, worn on, worn down by looking at those prices and seeing that your stack isn't worth what it was just a year ago. But remember, as Adam Meister likes to say, Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high. You know, the only important thing is to keep in mind that Bitcoin is on sale right now. We're, we're just a little over a year from the next halving. And traditionally, Bitcoin kicks off a bull run about 6 to 18 months after its halving. So sometime after March of 2024, we're going to be riding the express elevator up. And it's going to blow past that 69,000. Uh, and all that's really going to matter right now is what, uh, then is whether you have more sats now than you more sets then than you do now. Uh, you were comfortable buying at 50,000 or 40,000 or 30,000. You should be comfortable buying at 16,000. And you're going to be kicking yourself when Bitcoin is 100,000 and you didn't invest as much as you wanted to. So do yourself a favor. Make sure that when Bitcoin does go to the moon that you aren't kicking yourself thinking, I wish I'd invested more than I had. The real easy way to do that is to follow us on our DCA Wednesdays and add to that stack alongside up with us. So along those lines, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for those DCA episodes. But until then, 
Keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.